Righto, folks, here we are again in the studio uh, with Kylie Cox. And last conversation we had was changing the conversation, that awkward and often ig ignored chat about the menstrual cycle. So Kylie's doing her master's in, social, in sports science. And today is part two. Um, as a coach, as a parent, support people, what do we need to know? And is there a checklist for things to cover and consider uh, about this coaching gig, uh, sorry, about this menstrual gig. And so having a healthy hormones is a fundamental to optimal athletic performance, according to some notes I've got here. And menstrual cycles can be viewed as another training metric. So Kylie, welcome back. And um, how's life? Uh, ticking along, just coming out of the summer holidays. So getting back into some sort of routine, which I'm not a massive fan of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, all's good. So let's just t go back onto topic for a quick second. Last time we talked was very general, but a very broad. So do you have anything specific today that you'd like to kick off with? Or just, can we just ask some um, generalized questions and get a bit of a, an idea of where this is going to go? Yeah, I think uh, what we're looking at in terms of our, you know, our study and our work with Netball New Zealand and where we're going with um, the education side of things, we really just want to get this a conversation happening around parents, uh, support staff, coaches in particular, around their female athletes and using the menstrual cycle as another sort of metric of, of good health. So in saying that, we, you know, I think we touched on last time that just asking if your athlete has a menstrual cycle isn't really enough of a question. And, and so today we're just going to touch a little bit on what sort of things uh, are the next steps to ask and what are the um, key key things to look out for in a female athlete around being a healthy athlete and what that means and some of the the important things to, to note and then whether or not they need action, I guess. So is, is there a priority? Is there like if you said number one, two and three, these are the key three things we should be asking or checking in about or is it just a more than a more of a general thing? In relation to the menstrual cycle itself. And uh, how the athlete is performing or not performing? Uh, well, that's kind of a, a, yeah, a big question. If we're looking at um, the menstrual cycle, I think one of the things I would like to see everyone ask, I guess, first and foremost around the menstrual cycle, it's do you have your period? Like, do you have a period full stop? That's the first question. Obviously, that they're going to answer yes or no, and then the carry on from that is to know whether that menstrual cycle is a is a natural menstrual cycle or um, a hormonal contraceptive withdrawal bleed. They're just two things to know. I mean, from a coach's perspective, parents, we don't want to get too technical. It's really just to know whether that is natural or artificial, if you like. And then the key thing is to know whether that menstrual cycle is regular or not. Mm. So when we're talking about menstrual dysfunction, it's around uh, what that menstrual cycle looks like. So first and foremost, do you get it? Second, is it natural or, um, or a withdrawal bleed, which are two different things? And thirdly, is it regular or is there some dysfunction in that? And, and the dysfunction in that is around you know, the length of the cycle, whether it's a painful cycle, whether it's a heavy cycle, whether it's irregular, whether it's regular, those sorts of things. So they're probably just the the three kind of most important key mm, questions. Yeah. Okay. Um, because if you just ask, do you have your period, your female athlete says yes, and you take that as being 
a really good sign of health, you're kind of missing the um, yeah the nuances around what that looks like. So if, if I did ask that question and the answer is yes, there's going to be a, you in your head to be follow-up questions to ask that. So yeah, so so for example, in say an athlete that would come into my clinic as a support um, staff, so as a physio. If they answer yes, then uh, my question would be: So, is that are you on are you on any kind of hormonal contraception? They might say yes, I'm on the oral contraceptive. I then know that that's not necessarily a menstrual bleed; that's a withdrawal bleed. So I sort of park that, and then I go on to say, well, you know, then those questions around reg, uh, reg, uh, regular and irregular get a little bit messy. But again, I will say, well, is it a regular cycle? Do you get it every how how many days do you get it? You know, and then yeah. they might say, well, actually, you know, in my experience, they might say, well, actually, it comes and goes. I sort of have a long one, then I have a short one, and then if you're starting to have conversations about length, that's kind of all over the place. Again, then you've got some flags kind of coming yeah, up. Yeah, okay. So, Just go back, yeah. you, you said it a couple of times, withdrawal symptoms? What, tell me about A withdrawal bleed is, Sorry, withdrawal bleed, is yeah. a different from a natural menstrual cycle in that it is a withdrawal from the medicated hormones ah. that are in the oral contraceptive pills. So okay. it's, not a with, it's not a bleed that's to do with ovulation, it's a bleed to do with withdrawing the, the pill, if you like, and the hormones, the artificial hormones that are in it. So they're two different things. Um, it's all really about ovulation, and so a natural cycle is when you ovulate you and you shed your lining. So okay. Anyway, bit technical. It is, but that's okay because before we got on here, um, we we're just talking about maybe you've got someone in mind, you've got someone you know. Maybe so. We, this is called talk story. So do you have a little story that it could maybe highlight what we're talking about more than what specific questions would do? Yeah. So I guess I have a small clinic from home and I guess at the moment I, I kind of tend to see these types of people just because that's what I'm really interested in. I had a, a case study around a 16 year old female athlete here in Canterbury and um, they presented, because I'm a physio, they presented with a, an injury and uh, my first thoughts was that the injury was fairly innocuous. I guess in the absence of a mechanical injury, you start to, I start to think quite a lot wider. And so my questioning then becomes uh, to her, do you have your menstrual cycle? She said yes. I followed up with, are you on the pill? She said no. I said, what's the regularity? You know, we talked about the regular um, regularity of her cycle and she started making comments around it being a bit all over the place. So then we have some more questions that okay. move away from that and that's where we're going. So then we start to talk about other factors outside of the menstrual cycle that can impact on injury, um, illness, performance and overall athletic health and we might touch on those. Well, let's just give me, give me an example of those now. Of those outside factors that could influence, is it parental things, is it school stuff, is it? Yeah, so for um, for adolescents in particular, we've got things like, um, all athletes and, and some sports are more notorious for this, we've got things like perfectionist tendencies, we have uh, anxiety, other stresses, we know especially in our, in our adolescents, kids who are notoriously going down this maybe unhealthy track or towards relative energy deficiency in sport. You know, there's things like um, uh, 
yeah, like anxiety, changes to sleep patterns, history of illness, history of um, recurrent injury or recurrent long-standing illnesses on and off fears. Um, we know that those kids who had multiple stresses around schooling and homework or parental pressure, sure. they're more susceptible, they're yeah. more at risk. So the questions then become around gathering information around the menstrual cycle in the female athlete, but then once you take that menstrual cycle out of the picture or you move to phase B, then everyone becomes quite similar because okay. there's, um, there's obviously similarities in females and men from, from now on. So from a sporting perspective though, you could be talking about anxiety around being selected um, how well the last game? How play, How well you played in the last game, or what? what that sort of anxiety yeah, is right. Yeah, and in this particular case study, some of the anxiety was around a change in training load between changing coaches. Okay. Um, a change in training load between what they could do independently in COVID, and then once they went back on program, um, there's family issues at play. There's um, school stresses there's yeah just anxiety around whether they're training enough or too much like too little mm. and often in these types of at risk it's it's that they're training too little you know that they don't feel like they're doing enough okay um, things around uh in my support staff role it's 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 questions around training load it's questions around rest days so rest days for me are really important do does the athlete actually take them? How do they feel about them? Can they do them? There, there's people out there that actually cannot yeah, do I know. These days. I know. They, um, yeah. And that then points to some other, you know, that's around the psychological side. So I think when we're talking about, and again, we get deeper and deeper every time we talk, but when we're talking about relative energy deficiency in sport, because the under, this underlying factor is all around low energy availability. Okay. And so, we talk about the menstrual dysfunction being just one part of that, and that's obviously my study, but it is only one part that we need to look at. So looking at the menstrual cycle in female athletes is really important, but to ignore all the other um, warning signs or things to look out for would be to the detriment of the athlete because you need to yeah, you need to factor in a whole lot of things. So it's just one part of it. But from a support perspective as well as a, as a physio talking to a female athlete around this does this give them a sense of uh, of being able to free their mind of what's happening and what what they're concerned about and the questions you ask and the investigations that you make gives them a sense of that someone's actually listening to me they under, understand me so does that part of the healing process as well in some ways I think it is I think it's still getting there because I, I feel like so one as a support staff member you it depends what environment you're in like I obviously get a lot of time I can take as much time with a person as I want someone in a clinic might not get that sure someone in a team environment where they get quite a bit of time with athletes get more time as well so the time that you've got is uh, a strong variable as, as, as to how much conversation you can have. I Often I feel like athletes might be thinking, why are you asking this? <laughs> you know, why are yeah. you crying into my personal stuff? And so, because they think I'm injured. Like, yeah, I've fix, just, got just this fix injury, me, yeah, right? yeah. But I think what happens in that space and what I like to do is you have to take more time to explain why you're asking the questions, how they relate to things, how they're tied in, 
why you believe they're related to your in, your injury yeah and spend time talking and educating at the same time sure um in this particular person i mean this case study that we're talking about my gut feeling was that they had a stress fracture and that had to be ruled out above and beyond anything else you know prime age female athlete prime age key things that were um, red flags innocuous injury you know those sorts of things so by just having that conversation asking those questions getting the answer i actually you sometimes the talking part and the communication part is all you need to yeah. get the answers gotcha. you want. So okay. if we know what to look for, if we know what to ask, if we know what to observe, then uh, we are looking at the athlete in like a yeah, like a much bigger picture. Bigger picture, yeah. I know I I took a few notes, but I'm gonna come back to you about this. Another there's another story, but I've taken notes like training history, mental history, dysfunction symptoms pains cramps injury history history of illness nutrition i mean that's a huge one nutrition mental health sleep behavior declining sports performance there's a lot of things in here um what's happening the current season moods and all that sort of stuff and, and energy availability and you know even even things like um maybe doing two sports at the same time and trying to you know, so there's a lot of things in there so from your knowledge and experience are there any other stories that you could example or give examples of some of the stuff we just covered off? Maybe not not a young. What about an older female sports person? So I think, yeah, oh, <laughs> that's just a really loaded like <laughs> question um, when you take into all those things. But I think the key thing is to remember. So whilst we're talking about the menstrual cycle and we've already said it doesn't things like it so relative energy deficiency in sport or redis and the underlying low energy availability that drives that doesn't always present as menstrual dysfunction so you can have okay. your menstrual cycle and i can speak um about another athlete you know they're keeping their menstrual cycle or they believe yeah, anyway, they're keeping their menstrual cycle, but things that are presenting in those athletes is um, recurrent illness is a really big one. So lots of upper respiratory tract infections, um, sinus infections, glandular fever. I've got a, a an athlete who was a high level water uh, canoe polo player, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, um anxiety a lot of anxiety especially in different phases of the menstrual cycle um you know these athletes often when you're questioning them around their training history say you take them on as a new client as a coach you know delving into well how have your last couple of seasons been because these athletes in particular have often not been able to complete training blocks because they are getting recurrently sick okay. or they break down with injury or they get um, diagnosed with chronic fatigue or glandular fever. You know, they are the presentations that we're talking about in the big picture. It's not always just one thing. Okay. And so Red S is a, is a multifactorial where it can take in the fact that your performance is then affected by multiple 
factors. So it's knowing when you talk about all those notes that we made around um, training history, you know, asking how their last seasons have gone. Have they had lots of DNFs? Have they had um, failure to get through their training cycle? Have they had injury? Have they had illness? You know, did they battle with sleep, anxiety? You know, yeah. motivation's yeah. a big one, you know? Um, so, you know, in the in this particular athlete I'm thinking of, you know, anxiety was high in phases of the menstrual cycle. Motivation to train was really low based on the fact they kept getting really sick, um, not making it through 16 to 20 week blocks, um, not being able to race because they just couldn't make it there. So when we talk about a healthy athlete, it's really around consistency of training, isn't it? Sure. You know, piecing together um lots of good training blocks and to do that you need to uh avoid illness and injury and yeah yeah that's that's really the um and how do you avoid that well you avoid that by basically you know looking at your energy availability because that's the primary driver Mm. that's the lead indicator for everything it's quite ironic really because all coaches talk about periodization and here we are talking about it. <laughs> but in a, in a, so those that some of those examples you've given, just given me, uh, the outcomes have been positive. That there's been some really, I mean, things have been diagnosed and treated or talked through or working through, and there's some good outcomes from that. Yeah, I think one of the things we try we try to do then in support staff. Well, one of the things I'd like support staff then to be able to do is have a really strong network of providers because it's not you know I can't I can't affect change in a lot of those things we need specialist people so in my 16 year old athlete we then had a wraparound service so we have a sports physician to do the scanning or the imaging for the stress fracture we have a nutritionist to look at the low energy availability we have an endocrinologist to look at the hormonal profile and resuming um, regular menstruation and we have myself who's involved in the injury management you know so it okay. becomes um, it becomes a yeah a holistic approach to that right yeah. okay and is that a typical kind of scenario for a, a lot of athletes you, you're working female athletes you're working with or know of that whole support crew around them it's not when they arrive Like it's not when they come, unless you're in a, and and I think that's part of our study is to try and figure out in amateurs, does that kind of wraparound service and that knowledge of of, um, all the factors involved, does that come with amateurs or does it come with um, elite, you know, like do you miss out because you're not an elite sports person, but if we can get, and our primary driver is if we can get education in our primary, you know, yep. frontline people, our support staff, our physios, our um, personal trainers or SNC, our um, coaches, our parents, and we know what to look for and we know what the warning signs are, then we can get those wraparound services. Yeah, okay. So that, that's okay. the message, isn't it, from today? For me, it's like we know what the stuff's happening. There's all this information, all these questions we need to be asking. However, it's the education side of things that's going to make the biggest difference, isn't it? Yeah, and... Uh, you know what we're looking at doing now and hopefully what I'll be involved in is is turning this into an education package so under Netball Smart we'll turn it into education and then I would like I would like physiotherapists to really get on board because they have a massive skill set around history taking 
coaches. We want um, our frontline kind of grassroots coaches just to be aware just to be aware of what to look for, not necessarily to be highly skilled in questioning because we, we just need them to be aware of factors around um, anxiety, mood, sleep, performance, irritability, um, you know, the menstrual cycle, injury, illness. When is it, when is it important to step in and have that conversation around hey we've been noticing this or you know we've been seeing that you're dropping off here or you're you seem um disconnected or your motivation seems low you've you've been sick a lot okay you know you know then having some more in-depth conversations i guess too that leads to the question that some some coaches may feel uncomfortable doing this but like you say if there's a support crew that's around you can actually refer people to then that makes the male maybe male coaches more so than female coaches but more but even parents and coaches in general if they know there's a somewhere they can go to get that support it makes life a lot easier for everybody yeah i think um i think like we talked about last time i'm i'm still not so convinced that they're uncomfortable so much as just need some guidance on okay you know on um identification of what's uh what's not normal if you like or okay. what they can ask so yeah there's still there there is still some um degree of of discomfort around talking about the menstrual cycle but it's really only just a couple of questions that's right it's not um and i think then it's about knowing where your place is isn't it so gotcha. then going okay well we think this as a coach i think this might be a bit of an issue how about we look at you or we talk to, to mum and dad or, or an old athlete how about we look at you seeing yeah. or talking to someone with more experience okay. in this so, so the netball gig that, that could be well expanded out to a lot more sports though, obviously. Yeah, but I think the thing to note is that there is a lot of there is a lot of uh, research and um, work being done in this space and in other sports there's little bits and pieces happening and there's some really good coaches and um, health professionals that are doing this really well in other sports as well. From a grassroots level in New Zealand, we've got some work happening at high performance sport um, for the elite, um, but I'm, we're just trying to now get it at a yeah, at a more grassroots level and at a level at adolescence because that's a really key a really key time for all these discussions. To be downright practical about all this, and I'm going to start with parents initially. Where do they go or what could they do right now to make sure their daughters are in the best place not only around the menstrual cycle but their overall physical and mental well-being when it comes to sport well because the primary driver is energy availability and uh you know the lead indicator for a healthy athlete is is um the issue around low energy availability, then I think one of the most important factors that we have to consider is nutrition okay. or nu- nutrition or nutritional support for our athletes, not just females, but 
because we're talking about female athletes. Um, and I think that's hugely underestimated how much we need to eat. Yeah. So it's a really good podcast and a good athlete who you'll be aware of, um, Dr. Hannah Wells, the triathlete, and um, just a recent podcast about her issues around energy availability. And she sort of talks about eating like a chick, but needing to eat like an athlete yeah. and how much they need. So in terms of parents, from a really simple point of view, it's about having good food, um, but lots of it. So if your child is having training in the morning, training after school or a nighttime session, something at lunchtime, they need a good amount of food going with them to school. And some people need to be taking as much as a little chili, you know, a little yes. chili bag. There's, yes. there's a lot of food. Um, so from a really simple perspective, it's food and having enough food to support all the energy demands of that sport. And that's different between different days, but that's, you know, on a basic level, it's food. Um, next step is around, from parents' perspective, it's kind of knowing that your, your children, well, especially in children, they're growing. Um, adolescence is a really high energy demand um, protocol anyway, like your body is burning off a lot of energy growing. So they need rest. They need rest days. It's about identifying when they're particularly irritable or moody or demotivated outside of maybe normal teenage yeah. <laughs> which yeah. we've talked about. Um, and maybe being the one to then step in and have that conversation okay. with your athlete, with your child, with the coach. Hey, look, I'm noticing that yeah. they're just not recovering. You know, recovery between sessions is really important. Yeah. And older athletes, it's it's being able to, you know, just anyone, it's being able to bounce back and go again. You know, if you're yep. waking up and you're thinking, I cannot be bothered going to training, yeah. I just can't push hard, and you know, for, yeah. for all sorts of reasons, you know, a lot of that fatigue around things is is often nutritional fatigue, but there's also the training load. So, parents, it's food, it's mood, I guess. Food, mood. Food, mood, there you go. Food, mood, um, you know, I guess the conversation around the menstrual cycle and making sure that they're getting it is really important. Um, you know, noticing if your child is getting sick all of the time or injured all of the time, then there's yeah. most likely a, a bigger underlying cause. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's just being aware, I think, and not not being uh not staying in that old school thinking that more is better and training harder is better and if you don't train you won't win Gain. you know yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. all that it's all that it's just all the soft skills isn't it that we want people to you know yeah, exactly. observe communicate yeah. action i guess comes to mind now five weeks to ironman new zealand and so people will be in that pressure zone, you know, the extra training. And so this is a great timing for a kind of conversation around having that, that uh, nutritional intake and also the recovery times that's required. Yeah, I think if you're, if you're not hitting the markers that you're expecting of yourself and you have the ability to seek help, that's what I would say. Like it is, it is really worth it. Uh, you know, I, I was on a social media um, forum the other day and someone was asking well, what do people do on their rest days I mean I don't I don't know how to rest and I wow. you know there's that whole psychological thing if you can't rest if you can't separate yourself out from your sport if you can't connect with people 
and all you think about is training, then I think, you know, there's a lot to address there. There's a few issues in <laughs> yeah. there, yeah. Yeah, so it's just um, it's just being aware that, yeah, of, of all of those factors, but it's a, it is a, it's a big thing. It's, you know, especially relative energy deficiency in sport, it's a really big topic, but it's actually reasonably simple. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're healthy as an athlete, you will be consistent, you should be motivated, you should be recovering, and you should be having fun. Yeah, and, great. you know, I think from parents, in particular, I see a lot of, you know, and I see a lot of athletes in general, if, if those things aren't happening, then it's, it's looking at why, you know. Well, sometimes parents are the cause of some of that issues as well, isn't it? Push, push, push. Different podcasts. Different, it is, we'll do that, we'll definitely do that. <laughs> right, anything else we can add to this conversation? I think when you're looking at it's just it's just about kind of maybe also as coaches and parents looking at who's at who is at risk is is really around a lot of psychological uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for your personality makeup so those people in training peaks who have to tick everything green those people who can't take their rest days who want to know what they can do on their rest days. You know, they want to yeah. be, well, if I just swim, yes. that's not Or really. have an easy swim. Yeah, or if go I just have an easy swim, yeah. that's not really training. You know, yeah. um, for kids, it's early specialisation is a really big risk factor. You know, nutritionally, I'm not a nutritionist, but things to pick up on in conversation is, is around um, food avoidance. So any types of food groups that they're particularly avoiding, things like fasted training, um, cutting out carbs, like those sorts of things are just red flags or okay. yellow flags, you know. Um, it's just those people that, yeah, who, who really just are kind of that perfectionist, you know, and kids who, kids especially who have multiple roles at school and high level achievement, they're good at everything, they've got yeah. leadership roles, they're good at academics, they're good yeah. at sport, they're in the community, you know, they those kids are at risk. So, yeah. and those with, uh, yeah, recurrent illness and injury, they're at risk, you know, so it's those sorts of things, just being aware, having conversations, picking up on the little bits, Putting them together, observing, mm. communicating, and then action where's needed. Okay. Know? It just seems a common sense approach, but often because we're in the groove, we don't look at those kind of simplistic ways of training and living and eating and resting. Yep. Like, but there's lots of things that come into, you know, there's lots of things that come into play and it's fairly simple. You know, one of the things that's talked about in terms of energy availability is that it can very easily be unintentional, yeah. you know, just in terms of not appreciating how much you have to eat or just not getting the right types of foods in, you know, the, yeah. the, the energy dense foods, just um, the timing of it, not quite having enough when you need it, gotcha. you know? yeah. not, not being well prepared. It, those All those things are just unintentional, yeah. you know, or um, not increasing your intake in things like training camps or big yeah. session days. Sure. Or split, split sessions. Yeah, really, yeah. really unintentional. But then though that's a sliding scale towards being intentional when you sure. start to just go, well, 
yeah, I won't eat until I've trained because I don't deserve it. And yeah. then, you know, there's there's such a sliding scale and it's very easy to fall into that. And then you add in the pressures of weight and performance and you think training harder gets you more results. And, you know, it is a sliding scale and it is, it is a common sense approach, but it's harder, I think it is, well, is it harder than we think or is it really simple? But... It's a great way to bring it back around to where we started with, though, isn't it? Because you know, the menstrual cycle is only part of this whole big picture. There's one, it's a one, one moving part. There's so many other parts involved, like we just discussed. So it's kind of a good way to bring things to a bit of a close. Unless you've got anything else you want to chuck in there. No, I think in terms of female athletes, if you know, like I said, I think it's really key that that consistency of training with anyone, any athlete, and any coach is your key factor. If you're not getting that for whatever reason, yeah. then it's just being able to ask more questions, um, get them in with someone that you respect, form, a, form some relationships with a good physio, with a good sports doctor, um, you know, encourage parents to have good open conversations, encourage communication between coach and athlete, coach, parent, athlete, you know, depending okay. on your age group, and just um, looking at the big picture. Right. Now you mentioned the word fun. So I've got a few fast five questions here for you. Ready? What was your best Christmas present? <laughs> I've got a blank look here. <laughs> okay, I'll ask you another one. Did you watch any movies over Christmas? Oh, I've watched hundreds of movies. Okay, can you remember which one was the best one? Or the most favourite one, maybe? No, Another blink. Okay, so what about, did you see the new year? Should I'm fun. <laughs> did, you, did you see the new year in or were you in bed tucked up in no, bed? No, I saw the new year in. Whereabouts were you? Odomatada. Odomatada. Um, did you enjoy the 37 degree day the other day? Yes. Yeah, me too. Because I found water. Oh, I good. love heat as long as I'm near water. It went from 37 degrees to 6 degrees. <laughs> it was rubbish. Yeah, rubbish, right? Yeah. Um, what's exciting you most about 2021? <laughs> Don't drop the you can't drop the F bomb. Finishing my master's. <laughs> Finishing your master's. Good on you. Um, did you think about the best Christmas present? No, my God, she's still struggling. Shopping voucher. Shopping voucher. There we go. Sad. <laughs> hey, Kylie, thanks so much again for your time. This has been great. I know people are very interested in what you've got to say and how it's uh, presented. So let me get this out. I'll get it out really soon. This one. So thanks again for coming on the show. And as we say, aloha and hope. Actually. You might end up back in Hawaii doing a half Ironman Monday. She's looking at me blank. Oh, when are we going to get to go to Hawaii again? I think we'll go this year. Let's book our flights and see what happens. Take the risk. I think it's dreaming. Yeah, I think he's dreaming. <laughs> right <laughs> tell up. him he's dreaming. T tell him he's dreaming. Put him in the pool room. Hey, thanks, God. Have a great day. And uh, aloha to everyone. And thanks, we'll get this man. out on the wire real soon. Thank you. Yeah, you're dreaming.